Welcome back to the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. And today is, this is like a, an amazing day. I'm so honored to have the opportunity to speak to presidential candidate for 2024, Russell Cohen, all the way from Central Florida. I, I, I'm still a Florida State resident. I don't live there, but I, I still, I still have a heart for Florida. I am so honored to speak with you today and talk to you about your plans for the betterment of America. Thank you. Well, thank you for those kind words. I'm thrilled to be here and I, I was just, let's go wherever you'd like to go to talk. I, I, uh, just happy to be open and honest with your viewers or your listeners. And I, uh, I'm a long shot for president. There's 450 of us running, I think, but I, I believe God has inspired me to do this. And I believe he's still leading me on. And as long as he calls, I'm following. And I, I hope, I hope to be able to win the election in 15, 16 months. Talk to me about your relationship with God. Well, I call myself devout. I'm a devout Christian. I love Jesus with all my heart. I think, do, and say whatever I'm led to say by him through reading scripture, attending church. My friends, many of them are Christians. And, you know, I've just learned the Christian life, what scripture teaches us to do over the years. And I haven't always been perfect. I mean, I've had my periods of time where I strayed. But for the last seven years or so, I've been really, I call myself devout. And I just want to honor and please and worship God in all that I do and say. And I think he loves, I know he loves every American, however they feel toward him. He loves them and he only wants the best for us. And I feel I'm called to try and use Christian principles to, to lead, you know, kindness, openness, integrity, transparency, good communication, listening to the other side, compromise. I think those are all Christian principles. And, you know, not all Christians agree on how this should be done. We're unique, just like any group of people. My faith is is deep. My life has proven to me that God is good. God is very good. You speak on the principles. Uh, integrity was one that stuck out to me. I feel like that's such a, such a lost actual trait that people, you know, have, you know, it's so easy to like say these things, but like when times get so hard, you know, that's leaning on God is really how you can, you know, have yeah. that, you know, knowing yeah. that you're holding yourself accountable, accountable to him. Yeah. And, and really having that. So I, I do love that that's part of your plan. What, what are some of your plans for improvement of the country? Well, the first one is really what I been talking about leadership based on godly values. 
values. Mm-hmm. We have so much division, hatred. You know, under scripture, hatred is murder. We're, we're murdering one another the way we speak to one another, especially, you know, behind closed doors on the internet and stuff. I don't see it as much in public. I think people are by and large really good. It's just some things are inspiring us to, to speak in a, in a way that we shouldn't. Um, are you, are you asking me like, what are my top issues? Is that what you would like me to speak? Yeah. Okay. Well, probably the biggest one for me is energy. I, I think we're making a mistake in the government currently by essentially, I don't want to overstate it, but we're forcing green energy on this country. And I believe that all forms of energy should compete and let the consumer decide whether they want to use fossil fuel or natural gas or, or electricity or green or, you know, whatever energy they want, they should choose because number one, I think God, I know God created the planet and the environment. God could destroy it if he wanted to. That's not the kind of God he is, I don't think, but he could destroy it. And man is almost insignificant. I think we, we convince ourselves that the climate is changing in such a drastic way that we're going to be, we're going to be destroyed as a species. And I don't, believe God would have put all this fossil fuel in the ground if we were going to destroy ourselves with it. I think we have to be good stewards and keep it clean as we can. But I just worry that some people just believe that we're doomed if we use too much fossil. And I I say, let the consumer side, don't force that on us. If that's your opinion, that's one thing. But let's compromise and use all forms of energy. And if Americans believe that uh, we we should conserve our fossil and not use it as much, then they will do that, even if it's more expensive. So I come from it from a, you know, I don't think God gave us fossil to destroy ourselves with. And I don't think man is wise enough to really know what God knows about the planet and he has, he's omnipowerful. So he could cause anything to happen with the planet, whether we like it or not. And I just am not one that says men, men and women must decide what fuels we use because it's very costly. I know a lot of poor people that are getting squeezed because of the price of gas. And that's all the green agenda. They, they believe in restricting access to oil by making it tougher to produce it and the prices go up. And so that's a long-winded explanation. That's my top issue is let the people decide about energy. Let them let them all compete on level playing ground. Let's don't subsidize one or the other. And I think we subsidize both, in, in fact, fossil and green. Let's just let them compete. I think I trust God will be fine the environment. I don't think I know better than he does. Yeah. I think how we use our energy. Uh, a, a lot of these things are so fear-based. I, we are so yeah, fear-based That's... to drama and fear in this country. The headlines, if it bleeds, it yeah. leads. And that is what 
is pushed. So anything doomsday is, you you almost got to threaten people to get them to pay attention nowadays. So that's yeah. what I feel like that, that movement is really doing. And I mean, there's so much money involved. There's so much money involved in these movements. There's books being written. There's tours going on. Like, think about the amount of money, just even with the um, other movements that there are. There's so much yeah. money behind these and it generates a lot of money. And I'm not saying that I'm like, there's, there's another motivation than just making it a better place. Yes. There are some people that truly believe that, but at the end of the day, no one, it's all belief. No one truly knows for a fact and and to just switch over so drastically when we don't even have the infrastructure to handle these things. I don't think that that's a very wise decision. I, I'm, I'm, I personally prefer to have a gas stove. And I know that's not the same as, you know, changing, but it is kind of because they stopped it in California to build new homes that have gas. Like, I'm sorry, but when there's something that takes place, a natural disaster, I would like to be able to feed my child. And you can do that with gas. You can't do that with electricity when they can cut that off. Yeah. Well, I, I think money can really bias a person's mind and heart. And I really think we have a lot of that going on. It's also fear. You know, God says, I think it's 68 times in the Bible, not to fear anything but him. And so I I just don't fear fossil fuel. Some do. And I guess that's okay if that's how they want to look at things. But I think fear and money really factor into this. And, you know, the truth is, the money on fossil, I mean, the money on green is being made in China and elsewhere. We really are not very, very good at it yet. Battery technology, a lot of the raw materials or natural materials come from other countries. So it's not our greatest strength, whereas we have more fuel, fossil fuel than anyone. And I say burn it cleanly as we know how. You know, let's make sure we're staying clean. And we are the cleanest country on Earth, I think. I don't think anybody is better about that than we are. And, you know, China makes all this solar stuff and green stuff, but they're the biggest coal plant producer in the world. They're building right and left coal plants. So they don't really, if they don't protect the environment, what good are we going to be? Because they're three or four times bigger than us. So it's a big, it's a big story. And I don't know how much you want to, I could talk about it all day, but there are other issues, but I, I generally agree with what you're saying. And I, I think fear and money are a big part of it. I and I a, hope people will be objective when they hear the arguments on, on green energy. I had the pleasure of um, meeting a president of a coal uh, factory today. Uh, not today, a, two, a few days ago. Yeah. And um, while I was at work and we talked about where, he's shipping, you know, because overseas, so many other countries are still buying and he hasn't, Yeah, he's, he's, he's thinking about retiring in about 10 years, but he hasn't seen necessarily the decline that the rest of the world was talking about. And, and if we're just the ones that are just changing and the rest of the world isn't, are we really going to make as big of an impact as we're thinking? I mean, yes. Do we, how we source our energy is not the same as how we pollute our planet. 
the, yeah. the trash that we have, all of those, that is not the, the throwing properly disposing of our things. There, some of, how do we properly dispose of these windmills? Are we going to recycle them? Yeah. You know, batteries. I'm not saying not to have them, the batteries too. And do we, do we talk about the, the people in the Congo that are actually trying that, that are getting these fuels, you know, getting the parts for these things, the people in different African countries that are doing that? Do we, do we think about them at all in, in this? You know, I'm, I'm not going right, but I'm not going to continue to go on that too much more, but just, I understand this is a huge, huge issue. So I love that that that's really where you're you're looking at. What's another one that you are? Well, I want to drastically cut federal spending. And and I don't mean on the margins. I mean entire agencies, some of them. I think over the last three or four decades, our government has added – I believe the number is seven cabinet level positions. You know, I can't remember them all, but you have the Department of Homeland Security, you have the Energy Department, you have the Department of Education. We've turned our government over the last many decades into almost having responsibility for everything we do. And I don't ever think that's good to have it's one thing to have local control, but when you push control a thousand miles away, it's hard for the federal government to really be fair about things and, you know, solve a local solution from Washington, D.C. So I'm really for drastic cuts. I believe, you know, I, I can't, I wouldn't be honest if I sat here and said I was going to eliminate the Department of Education, but our education since that department was established has gone downhill. And so I don't see a need for it, although I'm sure there's some good that they do. I would study it once I got in office and within three months, I would make a decision because I'm a cost cutter. I've been that my whole life. I'm frugal as an individual, and I just believe that we shouldn't waste resources, whether they're you know, coming out of the ground or they're human resources. And I'm not real impressed with tests scores and all this fighting that we do about the school system, you know, the school board, the local school board, it seems to me should be in charge of education. And I've gotten on a different subject, but really that would be one that is rife already for cuts, I think. And there are others, but I think our government could shrink by 30, 40, 50% and we'd be fine. There are other ways to do it too. We I've talked to a lot of people that work in high level positions in the government mm-hmm. and they talk to me in confidence and we, we don't have a procurement system like the private sector has. So we waste a lot of money in procuring materials. You know, you remember the $600 hammer the military had. Well, now I think they have the $6 million contractor. You know, there's only so many contractors and the whole system is needs to be overhauled so that we have good competition from contractors when we're building build bidding for military work or whatever kind of work it is that our government needs we could do a lot better job and that's where i know how to do things that's my whole life i've been doing that so cost cutting is so important and taxation is another area but did you want to 
if you want to go into cost cutting, I'll be happy to. Oh yeah, because I've got I've got some things on that. Being a military wife, yeah. For one, I was I was just talking to my husband about how people rank up in the military versus the civilian world, and in the military, if you don't break the law and you just do get by. And people like you, a lot of times it's a popularity contest when it comes to ranking up, especially in a lot of the office jobs or different offices. It is very much so that case. And I'm not saying it because I'm biased. And I've been a military wife for eight years. I've been, I've seen, I, I have so many friends. I have friends that are higher, a lot higher ranking than my husband. I have friends that are officers that I've made on my own accord. I've, and I know exactly how they are spending so much money on trash bags, so much money on all of these things, but they can't because they have to purchase from a certain contract. And it's yeah. deals that are made from people that have n- that aren't even doing this the the manpower the work, you know. And so, yes, that's an area that definitely needs cutting and spending because you you hear about cutting spending in the military and you're, it's like oh no the the service members that is not necessarily what we're talking about here and I don't think that people understand that and then I I do I'm so much more of a community based we've gotten so much away from community and with smaller government in the federal sense and more community based initiatives it's not like this money that people have in their communities is going away. It's just, I think that it needs to be reallocated. The local systems definitely need to be in more, more charge of what their students are learning. I frankly, I'm one of those. I don't think that we should be talking about all of these different sexuality things. I think that's something that should be taught at home. But I understand that everybody does not have that conversation, those conversations with their kids. And I understand that there's a place for certain things like that. But at the same time, my concern when it comes to our education department is the wealthy people are taking their kids out of the public school system and putting them in private schools. What about the the majority of people that cannot afford to go to a private school? Well, they're being their their education is deteriorating, and that is the majority of our workforce. That is our future, and we're not investing yeah. in our future properly. You're exactly right about education. I mean, my kids were, my grandparents, my kids' grandparents put them through a private school. So I was blessed to have that in my life. I couldn't have afforded it, but they, they got what an education compared. I mean, our private, our public schools, you know, they had knives being drawn and stuff in the middle school. And it just, it just is, it might be great for the, the rich and famous and elite and all that. But the average, or I hate to say average, but everyday Americans that are stuck in the public school system, it's just not right. Because that's where the bread and butter is earned in America and made. And you just, you have to educate your people. And I think we're declining. I, I don't know all the statistics, but from what I've read, we're declining in this area. And, you know, we we have thousands of people in D.C. focus on it but they don't seem to be able to get us going in the right direction. So let's eliminate it. Yeah. Actually, I mean, I'm not for firing people and just letting them suffer, but the government can easily do job training. 
and give a severance of some sort. And then people have time and almost always happens in my experience when you're, when you, when government is cut or anything is cut a job, people usually find a better job, a more productive, important kind of a job. There's so many jobs out there. So I, I just, education is really important to me and I, I don't think we're doing a very good job. My, I just, I think everyday people must see it. They must know it. And the, the data and the, you know, the standards and the testing that is done all over America is not, it's not a good trend. It's a negative trend. We're not teaching critical thinking skills. Nope. It, it's, it's just, I could go on and on and on about that, but that is definitely a big one. So number next, which one, which, what is another one that you're very passionate about? I would, I would like to lead a constitutional convention. You know what that is? It's a, it's a provision under the constitution where I'm not exactly sure, but rather than just an amendment, uh, you can get together as a nation and do a series of amendments. And I, I'm not sure who leads it. I think the Congress leads it, but we should have some major changes to our constitution. The first one is we have our term limits backwards. I don't know why we term limit a president when all the people vote for the president. It's the most democratic form of an election we have. The president should be, if he's good or he, she's good, he should be able to stay in office an unlimited number of terms. That's the way it used to be. And then the, the, the right sort of stopped it when FDR had four terms. He was a Democrat. So I think we overreacted and term limited the president. And then the Congress needs to be term limited. They get, they've created a cushy job for themselves. I don't think it's necessarily intentional, but over the years, they really, they really don't write good legislation anymore. They hardly even read their own legislation. They put it out there. And then the president with this large bureaucracy has the power to pretty much do whatever he wants with the laws. He can interpret them and put bureaucrats on it that don't really completely comply with the law through executive orders. We have it, we have it out of balance. We've sort of taken our constitution away from its roots. I would also have a higher number of senators that have to approve a Supreme Court justice so that we get more moderate people. I think our court is fine. It's just been politicized by both parties, but. Let's make sure that everybody agrees with a Supreme Court justice and an appellate judge perhaps maybe has to have 60 votes in the Senate. We've, we've had this big battle up there, and now it only takes 50 senators to approve a Supreme Court justice. I don't think that's good. I think that causes division, and a partisan president is going to put up as a partisan a person as he can get through 50 senators. So let's change that. And let's see, let me look at my note sheet. Am I missing something? I'd also change the Second Amendment because shall not infringe. Our fundamental problem with guns is that half the country interprets shall not infringe as the only way I know how to interpret, which is you can't make laws restricting guns in America. Shall not infringe is pretty certain what it means. Yet we've done it as a country over the years. We have all kinds of gun control. Some of it is good, like mental health, not being able to mentally ill people, 
former criminals, especially violent criminals, not being able to have a gun. That's good. But let's put it in the Constitution. Let's put maybe high mag- high number of magazines, assault weapons, however you want to define that, bump stocks. Let's put it right in the Constitution so that there's no argument anymore about whether that's good or bad. I think most people, like 80% of Americans, are fine with some gun restrictions. It's just that there's a strong lobby on the right that's like it's not right to violate the Constitution, and they're they're right in their own sense. We violate the Second Amendment all the time. Let's not violate it anymore. Let's compromise and agree to put it right in there that some things are going to be forbidden. And then just continue to say you can't make any more laws. Maybe every 20 years we can have Congress convene something for that. But the fight is over the extremes. We've got to stop this. Because we don't really have many laws when it comes to what companies, this is not the same as like the Second Amendment. And I'm going to get back to that. But when it comes to Internet, anything on the Internet, AI, we don't have any laws laws for AI and artificial intelligence can do things we we have we we do need laws in place for a lot of these things so we do need to continuously get together and make these things happen and the division that we have is not providing that we're not compromising on and, anything really and we don't you don't in life you don't always get what you want no you don't like, I sure don't. Like, it's just unrealistic. And and I don't, we, we just have all this tension and we're not coming together and realizing that we are all Americans here. Whether you were born in this country or you earned your citizenship, which a lot of those, that test is harder than most people that, that are born here could pass on their first try. And it's in, in that whole, how people immigrate here. It's so hard for the people that want to do it the right way. It is. It's not fair, is it? And then those that don't, it's just like, it's almost like good people get punished more. And I mean, it's kind of like that because it's just hard to be a good person. It's hard to think on the positive side. It's hard to have a high work ethic in a world where people just want to receive handouts, you know, if you're in, in that type of environment. And it's hard, especially when it comes to our diversity and how we're, how we look and the stereotypes and how we treat and discriminate against people on a social level, not like, not necessarily politically, but I think since Trump has made office, he's done some good things as far as being open and authentic with our truths. But he said some very hateful things that has ingrained in a lot of people. And it was a catalyst for a lot of hate. And in the beginning, I wasn't a Trump supporter. Then 2020, I was like, yes, Trump. Now I'm like, y'all, come on now. This is a little excessive. Like, can we like not? It's just too much. Like we have other options and I'm so happy you're stepping up to the plate. Well, I'm, I was really sorry. You know, Trump, I liked a lot of his policy. I did. But I don't know what it is about him. He has a view such a negative view on some things. You know, immigrants are probably just like the rest of us. They're basically good people. 
And he, you know, he, you know, you remember probably what he said, you know, they're, they're rapists and they're terrorists and all this stuff. And sure, there may be an element of that, but that's not how you categorize a group of people. You look for the positive qualities and we need immigrants in this country. We've aborted 72 million preborns. Who's supposed to do the work in this country? You know, you, you have to replace your citizenship. And we, we altered our birth rates dramatically through abortion. And I'm not in favor of that personally, but I'm glad it's where it is now. The states can decide. It seems to me it's not a federal issue, but we aren't. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised that we need immigrants. We do need them. That's why they're coming because they're a oppressed, a lot of them. And B, they know there's great work here in America. America and people are not dumb. They, they they follow the work and we just don't manage it worth two hoots because we our immigration policy is like 40 years old now. And, you know, I'm OK with a wall in some areas, but let's do some electronic surveillance and all kinds of we could put so much technology down there that we could stop all this. And the drugs that are pouring across, people are dying every day, like dozens of them a day from the fentanyl and whatnot coming in. So it's just, you know, I, I I don't really like to disparage anyone. And I think Trump had a lot of strengths. But, you know, we all have weaknesses. And I think that was one of his, that he just sees the negative, you know, the fake news. Maybe the news is biased at the top. It is a for-profit center. People want to make money. So, you know, we all click on the bad news and the partisan news and all that. So they're just trying to make money. Call him fake, but call it, I always felt he should call out, you know, a specific news article. If it's false, call it out. You know, he had the bully pulpit, stand up there and call it out, but don't disparage the entire news industry as fake. Don't disparage every employee in government as deep state. There may be some bad actors in the, in the government. There's bad actors in everything, but I just don't know why he he chooses to do that. I I guess that's how he sees the world. There's just a lot of, there's not much good. It's all negative to him. To me, it's completely the opposite. People, everybody I meet is a good person. I mean, there's a few criminals in jail and there's a few terrorists wandering around, I'm sure, but I I don't know where they are. They're, they're, They're in the minority, the vast minority. So I just have a positive outlook about the people, even the immigrants of this country. We need them. So let's work a system that benefits they and us instead of all this chaos from a policy that's 40 years old. And I mean, that was this this country was built off of immigrants. It is. It still is. we're, We're a melting pot. The diversity, we're supposed to be better together, but we have to get on we're not going to get on one accord, but we're going to, we, we need to get to a point where we can sit down and have conversations about what we should do and actually implement those things. You know, I, I think we're getting there. I, I think we're at a low point. Politics is cyclical, just like life yeah. is cyclical. I think we're at a low point, but I believe God has his hand on us and we're all going to get over this and become even stronger. We always get better through our weakness. Um, yeah. We learn, and I, I think I think this is gonna, this too shall pass. I really believe that.
I agree with you. I think that he is, I think, I really think that God is calling out an army of his people to step up and be like, you know what, we're not dealing with this anymore. Yeah. We know that we have a promised land when we're done, but we have work to do here. We're called to do that work. And, oh, I love, I I love that I got the opportunity to speak with you on some of the topics that you have. Oh my goodness. I am looking forward to just watching and keeping in contact with you. Just to support in any way, because the fact that we were able to have this conversation. Yeah, can't, I can't believe it's already passed. Wow. We've already turned up the time. Well, thank you for having me. I, I, uh, I would just appreciate, I'm not accepting any, any campaign contributions at this stage. I never will from big money, you know, billionaires, corporations. I, I'll never take that money. I don't want to be beholden to anybody. But the biggest help people can give me is just to go on my website, maybe learn about me and share, share the information with your your friends, whatever their walk of life that are interested in politics. It's a little early for politics for some, but I just would appreciate it if people could do that. I, I, I won't ask them for money, too. So keep your money and spend it on something to help your family. Well, I'm definitely going to have all of your links in the show notes okay. below. So guys listening in, yes, if you, if you were, what if you want to continue the conversation, go follow him on Instagram. If you're on, if you're on IG, if you're on other platforms as well, go look, check his website out, go find out where he's at and get a part of the movement. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's real interactive. The website. And I try to respond to every inquiry. I like to debate and talk about things with people. So I, I will I will answer your questions. And wow, I can't believe how fast the time flies. That was such a an easy conversation to have with you. Thank you for all the good questions. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.